Well, good morning. It is great to see you guys. Hope you're having a great weekend, man. Didn't you love worship today? Let's give our worship team a hand today. So powerful. I love, love the team that we have that leads us into worship every weekend. And I'm, you know, I just love the heart of our, our worship team when they get up here that they're not up here to entertain us. They're here to lead us into the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Man, well, it's so good to have you here this weekend. And um, let me just say this, that, you know, I, I am so, so excited about the season that we are in as a church. And uh, you've heard us talk last weekend about 21 days of prayer and fasting. And um, I, I'm excited about it. And the reason is that it's, I would say, one of my most, ex- most favorite or excited um, weeks, three weeks. I'm stumbling all over. Okay. <laughs> 21 days of prayer is that we have the opportunity to see God move in people's lives. And I'm excited about it because I cannot wait to see what God does. And I am convinced, and we've been doing this now for a lot, a lot of years, that we have, have started our, our years at the beginning by doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. And this church is full of stories that you are an answer to prayer that people prayed for you and God moved in your life. And this is the season we're in and I'm excited about it. I, I know that God is going to do some powerful things. And you know, you're here today and I wanna just say this to you that I, I'm convinced that this morning God wants to speak into your life and I hope that you'll open your heart and receive God's word that he wants to give you today. And I wanna get in, into our teaching today and if you wanna grab your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 12, and Acts chapter 12 is, is primarily where we're going to be at today, and um, I want to read it, 10 verses or so, and, and we'll stop and then come back to this in just a few moments, but I want to read all of this together and uh, read through this, the, the, all of these verses together, just so you really get the, the story today, and we're going to be talking about the power of prayer. Pastor Matt started this series, 21 Days of Prayer series last week, weekend, and I am continuing that today. And I want you just to listen to this story as I read it. In verse six, it says, the night before Herod, or let me back up, verse five. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. In verse six, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. It struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him, Peter, the angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. 
And they went through it. When they had walked the length of, of one street, suddenly the angel left him. In verse 11, it says, Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent this, his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. And it says in verse 15, you're out of your mind. They told her when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for these next few moments. Lord, I pray that, God, we would recognize that, God, you are a, a God that is alive, that, God, you desire to work and speak into our lives. And, Father, you are not a far distant God, but you are in this place, you are in this moment that there is no such thing as just getting through church or going to church. We are, we are here because we want to experience church. We want to experience your presence. God, we want you to speak into our lives. Father, we open our hearts, we open our minds, we open our, our spirit to you, God. Speak into us today. And everyone said, amen. amen. So we're talking about the power of prayer. And last weekend, Pastor Matt set the series up and and in this, a week ago in his teaching talked about that one of the, the, the things that happened with the disciples is that they were able to observe Jesus firsthand and they watched Jesus pray over people. They watched Jesus when he prayed for people and he he spoke over, to, over people, that people experienced miracles, that people's eyes were opened. There was a power to Jesus' ministry. And the disciples asked Jesus this question. They said, teach us to pray, which on one hand, it doesn't really make sense that the disciples would ask him to teach us to pray. They were Jewish. Jewish people know how to pray. I experienced this firsthand this last summer. My wife and I had the opportunity to go with a group to Israel. And in the middle of the night, um, there was a man. I was, I was half asleep and I looked up and there was a man kind of standing over me. And it, he was getting dressed. And um, it's three or four o'clock in the morning. And he's, he's putting all of, all of this stuff on him, the shawl and different things over his head. And then I, I was kind of, Curious, I woke up and, and really began to watch and a lot of different men were walking around praying over the plane, praying in the plane. And I was like, wow. But the disciples are Jewish and they, they understand prayer, but they're asking Jesus this question, teach us how to pray. What they're doing is they're asking Jesus, teach us to pray in a powerful way. 
We wanna know how to pray powerfully. And this is recorded in the gospels and the question you have to ask yourself is, if Jesus taught them how to pray, did it take? Did they get a hold of it? Did they grasp it? And the way that you can answer that is you have to go to the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts records the birth of the church. It is the story of the early church, the early days of the church. And one of the things that is so fascinating to me as you begin to read through from chapter one and you begin to read through the the verses of Acts is that you see that the church of Acts, that first church, was a praying church. That they prayed. And it brings us to this this chapter, this verse, these verses that I read to you a few moments ago about that Peter's in prison and the church is praying. Now, just so you understand the context of what's going on here is that the church has experienced some major setbacks. God is doing a lot of different things in the church, but they've experienced a lot of major setbacks. For one is that in in the first four verses of this chapter 12, James has been murdered. Now Peter's arrested and they know that he's gonna be murdered or killed the next day. How many of you know that's a major setback? I've experienced a lot of setbacks. I know a lot of you have. And um, for me, a lot of my setbacks are pretty comical. I was thinking automatically about my days as a youth pastor. And, you know, lots have changed. A lot has changed since the 90s to to now. Our world has changed. Safety has changed. And, and like, people do different things. In the 90s, when I was a youth pastor, you just kind of just did stuff, and and it was fun. And we we took a lot of trips. Uh, I took... Teenagers all over, we'd go skiing and, and we would, man, sometimes we'd have a convoy of six vans, seven vans following and, and um, I love making good time. Somebody said, come on, all right. I love making good time. There's something, I don't know what, it's, what, what it is. It's like, we, my wife and I can be on a trip. We're not in a hurry but there's a feeling you get on the inside when you made good time. We went on a trip and we made good time. And so this urgency was always inside of me. We got to make good time and we're loading the van. And and back in the nineties, you know, there wasn't any like standards on how many people could fit in the van. We would, (laughs) no lie, I'm telling you the truth. My philosophy was, a ministry was, if you can fit in the van, you can go on the trip. <laughs> if you fit in the van, and we would have kids show up, hey, my buddy, uh, he wants to go on the ski trip and he didn't sign up, can he go? Can he fit in the van? <laughs> so we had kids sleeping underneath the seats all over, you know, just such safety, 16, 17 hour trip. 
No seat. But we're always in a hurry because we got to make good time. And one time I forgot to latch the, one of the trailers, uh, that, the trailer that was on the back of my van. And, and we pulled out and we were spreading luggage all over the highway. Cars were pulling up to us honking and they were like, Pastor Stephen, they're trying to get your attention. They're just waving. Come on, we got to make good time. I left a kid on the mountain one time because we had to make good time. We're an angel fire. I'm like, I told the kids, you got to get in. Like we, we got, be in the van, get in the van. We got to go. We got to drive back to Red River. We had gone back to Red River, showered, eaten dinner. We're playing guitar, singing Kumbaya, and somebody said, where's Derek? <laughs> no lie, I lost a trailer on a youth trip. We're in the Navajo Reservation doing a missions trip. And the van behind me, Jimmy, I still know who was driving. It was Jimmy, it was a blue van. He was slowing down. I'm like, we got to make good time. And I didn't see him in the back. And, and so I, I pull over, wait for him. He pulls up next to me and he looked like he had seen a ghost. I look at him and I'm like, didn't y'all have a trailer behind your van? He said, it just came disconnected and shot off the mountain. <laughs> One time. <laughs> Aren't y'all glad I'm your pastor? Some of y'all been to churches where your pastor's perfect. Like, I'm your man. Because I will mess it up. One time I, I left a kid in San Antonio at youth convention. See, I had a rule. I had a rule. I told, I tell the kids, we're here for three days. We're going to be in church service after church service. If you want to get saved or get God to move in your life, you better do it before the first service. There's plenty of other services because the last service, we're going to sit in the back and we got to make good time. We're leaving during the prayer. We're on the road back to Houston and somebody said, where's Amanda? We left her at the altar. Just some little setbacks. But you think about, I know those, are, those weren't real funny at the time, but they're, uh, thank God kids did not have cell phones. Can I hear an amen? I just think no kid should have a cell phone. They had to get to a pay phone to call their parents to tell them what we were doing. But anyways, but setbacks, we got to get back to the word of God. Okay. You know, setbacks can be really serious. You kind of go on, everything's looking good on one side, but there's some sides of your life, there's some things that are happening that there's this major setback. And this is what's going on in the, in the early church. They have experienced this major, major setback. And Peter is, is one of their main leaders. He's in prison. And, and they know what's coming. They just saw James murdered. They, they know that Peter's going to die the next day. And I want you to look at verse 5. And I want this to really get in your heart today. It says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. 
Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Peter was in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God. You look at this word, but, and it really separates two complete opposite things, and it actually is showing us a contrast between two things. It's actually showing us a contradiction between two things. Because it, what it should say is Peter was kept in prison but the, and the church, or it could say, but the church was mourning. Peter was kept in prison, but the church was worried. Peter was in prison, but the church was planning the funeral, planning who's gonna bring pimento cheese sandwiches planning all the details. Peter's in prison, but the church is sitting around gossiping about why he's in prison. That is the natural flow of how you and I operate. But the church decided Peter's in prison. No, no, we are going to be a contradiction to what is going on. See, my prayer for you in 2023 is that you would be a walking contradiction. My prayer in, in 2023, I've been saying 2013, I've actually written that down a couple times, messed up. <laughs> Aren't you glad I'm your pastor? Uh, in 2023, my prayer for you is that you would be a, a walking contradiction that when people look at your life and, and, and what's going on in your life and, and they will, this is a contradiction of what's going on in their life. They're experiencing peace in the middle of a storm. Their year, your year maybe didn't start out that great already. And you're like, you know what, my year, it's not looking good, but I serve a God of the comebacks. That's a walking contradiction. See, Peter's in prison, but the church decided to pray. And, and, and you get to choose this. This year, you get to choose whether or not you're going to be a walking contradiction. You get to make that decision that you are going to con contradict even the emotions that you feel. You're gonna contradict what you see, what you hear around you. You are not going to believe everything that you see. See, the church has seen James murdered. They're not believing what they're hearing. They're not believing what they're seeing. This is a major, major, major setback. It's a tough time and I love it that the church met that setback with a fight. Met it, they went to battle. They, they, they knew that, that they needed to fight this because it's a spiritual battle. See, too many of us, what we're facing in our lives, we're, we're trying to fight spiritual battles with worldly weapons and you'll never win. You are a spiritual being. 
And it's going to take us understanding that this is a battle. See, I, I know and I understand the reason why, and you, you go look and, and I challenge you to go read through the book of Acts and see how powerful the prayers of the early church were. Go a couple chapters back, back and it shows that they gathered together and they were praying such powerful prayers. They were pr praying so passionately that the room actually started to shake. It was a room-shaking prayer. See, I want to caution us today. I want to caution us not to get to a place that we start dumbing down prayer into a ritual that we just kind of, we got to just kind of meditate a little bit. No, there is power in prayer. I love how it says that Peter is kept in prison, but the church is praying. There has to be this, this, this passion about it because we believe it. James chapter five, verse 16 says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The early church is not just throwing up words in the air. They've learned from Jesus and Jesus earnestly prayed. There was a passion to his prayers. It wasn't about personality. It was about desperation. That there's a desperation about what they're going through and that's why they're praying. And it says that they earnestly prayed. Why are we doing 21 days of prayer and fasting? It's because I want you to earnestly pray with me for people. Why are we doing 21 days of prayer and fasting? It's because I want to awaken something inside of you that says, I have got to stand in the gap for my loved ones, for my family, for my son. I will pray for them. Some of you right now, you could fill in the blank of Peter's kept in prison. You could put Joe, my son, is, or my brother, is kept in prison of an addiction, but Put your name in it and say, but John is praying for him. My marriage is blown up. It's in a prison. But I'm praying. I am praying for him. I am going to be a walking contradiction of what I see. I want to be a walking contradiction. And my prayer for our church is that we would be a walking contradiction to what we see around this world. That everything that you see around you, I haven't preached in a couple weeks, so I'm just warning y'all. Everybody on the front row, he's spitting at us. Huh? Sorry. I want to be a walking contradiction to what we see. And it means that we've got to believe this. Peter's in prison and the church is praying. See, one thing that I, I think a lot of us don't understand is that prayer is actually, it's actually us coming in a, into agreement with God. And many of us don't understand this, that, that when we pray, and, and do you know that in Matthew 18 verse 19, it says, I tell you that if, if two of you on earth agree about something and pray for it, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Agreement is powerful. 
There's something that happens when you and I stand in agreement with, about something. When we get in agreement with God's word, when we get in agreement with other people, the problem is, is that too many of us have come into an agreement with what the enemy has spoken over our lives. You've come into an agreement in your heart and you've actually adopted the opinions and, and what you have been fed about yourself. You've actually adopted the, the, the fact of what you see in front of you. You've come in agreement that that is the way it's supposed to be. I'm challenging you this 21 days of prayer to break the agreements in your life. There are some agreements that you have been, you have been walking with in your life for too long that you have been agreeing that they are not agreements that are from God. And you need to break that agreement. This is why we're fasting. When you fast, it, it, it takes you to a whole nother level. It's not easy to fast. It's awful. <laughs> My wife's birthday was a couple weeks ago, and some friends of ours took us to Bonnell's. How many of y'all been to Bonnell's in Fort Worth? That place is bad. But they do this little thing that the waiter told us is sign up on Facebook and you're going to get, we, we actually do this curbside thing you can pick up for 50 something dollars. You get this big old meal. And, and so I, I went on there and signed up and, and, and they send you these pictures that are ungodly. All this food, chicken fried steak and gravy, and, 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 and then they're going to throw in a brownie. And I, it's amazing. And I've been screenshotting them and sending them to my, my mother-in-law and my wife and talking about it. Fasting is awful. I'm talking about food that I never, like, and I want, you know, you, you're craving and it's, it's a struggle and it's a battle. And you, listen to me, we're not doing this to lose weight. It's not a diet. This is a battle. What you're doing is you, you're actually, you, you are actually addressing the agreement that's agreements that have gone on in your life that actually when you start to fast, there is a separation that is taking place. You are separating yourself from the physical gratifications, your, 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 your physical man that has been fed all this stuff, you actually are breaking that off because you're going, my spirit man is going to be gratified. I want what God, I want some new agreements in my life. I need some new agreements in my life. See, some of us, some of you call and you say you're when you talk about addictions, it's my addiction, my anxiety. Who said that was yours? Who said it was yours? My bad marriage. Who said it that it's your bad marriage? My lack of discipline. Why are you calling it yours? It's not yours. Amen. 
There needs to be a moment that, and this is what's so powerful about prayer is that when I pray, I'm getting in agreement with what God says about me and, and I wanna pray God's word. I want to break that agreement with the wrong things and bring about the right things in my life. How do I get an agreement with God? It's through his word and prayer. I'm actually praying what God says about me. This is why we're doing 21 days of prayer. We're trying to get an agreement with the right things. This story, uh, again, it's, it's just so loaded full of things that, that you can learn and, and see about the power of prayer and um, one of the things that you may not know and may not understand this, but the church wouldn't have needed to pray if Peter wasn't in prison. Do you know that the pain that you're facing, the pain that your loved one, the addiction that you see around you, the... the you know, the truth about really what's going on, that pain that you're facing, it may be the very thing that elevates your faith. There's been lots of times that I've come into prayer and I haven't felt like praying for other people. I'm just being honest. A lot of different stuff going on in my life and I want to just pray about my own stuff and and that's how usually it starts at the beginning of 21 days of prayer. And, and as I go through this and I begin to respond to my pain with this prayer, what happens is my faith starts to be elevated and all of a sudden I'm pr wanting to pray for everybody. And see, too many of us, what happens is pain has caused us to get stuck. And what we are, are, are doing is we're actually stuck because the first thing we're doing is running to complaining. We're running to gossiping. We're running to, the first thing we want to do is isolate. The first thing we want to do is stress about it. And I would tell you this is the first thing we need to do is pray. Too many of us, what's happened is that we've been paralyzed by our agreements and some of us are have been paralyzed by things in our life for two or three years And it's got to be broken. It's serious. Why would we do 21 days of prayer? It's because we want to be a contradiction to what we see and what we're experiencing around us. I know in this room, every single one of you, there's a situation, there's something going on, there's somebody you know, there's somebody that Peter's in prison and the church is praying. You put, your, put that name in there and then you need to be the person on the other side of the butt that you say, but I was praying. I know we don't get excited about talking about when we go through thing, hard times, but I, I believe that it is something that it causes us to grow in our relationship with God. It, it builds our faith. It builds our trust in God. See, Peter is under great pressure. You think about he is, he is 
He's got soldiers on both sides. He has been, there's chains on his arms, chains on his legs. He's in, there's guards everywhere. Herod was not going to let him out. And I love this, that you may have not noticed this, but it says the church is praying, but Peter is sleeping. Why could, why could Peter sleep? Because he knew that God was already in his tomorrow. He knew that God was already in his tomorrow, that God was already working in his tomorrow, already working in, in, the, in, the, in, in his release of what he needed. See, too many of us, what happens is, is we can't experience the peace and the joy in our life because we don't, we don't believe that God is already working. Peter's there asleep and, and an angel shows up and he's going to get Peter out. Peter's in prison. The church is praying and Peter was delivered. But don't miss this. This is very important. Peter did not escape. Peter was delivered. Some of us, we don't believe in prayer and the power of prayer because we've learned to figure our way out of things. We have become master manipulators at, at manipulating and networking people. And we, we, we know how to work it. And we can work our way right out of our problems. And we sit around and we think and worry enough about it all. And we'll figure our, figure our way out of it somehow. And then we want to call it God. We want to say, look what God did. No, God didn't do that. You did it. And one of the things that I've learned is that anything that you have escaped from, you can go back to it. But when you get delivered by God, there is nothing on this planet that can do away with what God does in your life. See, 2023, you need a deliverance in your life. You don't need to figure out how to manipulate your way out of this. Peter was delivered. Peter's in jail. He's in prison. He's about to die. The church is praying, and he's, he's delivered. Who do you know that's, they're so far, it's such a desperate, it's so, it's so far gone, and you go, they, they can't escape that. There's no way they can escape it. They, they need to be delivered. This is why we're doing 21 days of prayer. This is why these cards are all over this, this, this stage. There's why there's an empty card at your chair. There are situations, there are people that they don't need to escape it. They don't need to put a Band-Aid. Some of you, your marriage has been a mess and you, 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 know, you know how to work it. You know how to kind of go clean it up. Oh, we're not fighting anymore and we're, we're, we're gonna get along and you kind of manipulate it and work it and clean it up. And you know the truth, it's not changed. 
You need God to, to deliver you from it. Some of you, listen to me, an addiction, you need God to deliver you. Some of you, your kids, they don't need you to go fix it. Go rescue them. Your son, your daughter needs you to stand and say, God, I will, I will seek you and I will call on your name because you are a great God. You are a powerful God. And that's your word. When you speak into my son's life, God, you will deliver him. But pastor, I don't, I, I'm just not seeing anything. I pray and I don't see anything going on. I show up and I pray and I'm not seeing anything. Well, you know that the church didn't see anything going on. They're over there praying. God's not speaking to the church over there. They're praying for Peter. They're worried. They're, I'm sure they were going around with tissues going, oh, I can't believe Peter's going to die tomorrow. But God, we pray for him. God's not, God's not comforting them. Why? Because God, God's working somewhere else. He's calling on his angels. He's, he, is, he is calling on his angels and sending his angels out. The angels show up and they're, man, wouldn't you like to have been there? These big old giant angels that are bad to the bone show up and they say, Peter, you wake up, put your shoes on. We're gonna walk and they're walking out of the, out, out and they get to the outer courts, outer, outer part of the city and the gate just opens up by itself. Wow. Peter runs and goes and knocks on the door and the church, they're not expecting a miracle. They're like, you didn't hear anything. This 21 days of prayer, I'm, I'm telling you, let's expect God to blow us away with the miracles. Tomorrow night, we've got family prayer. And I love, I love this time. It's one of my favorite times when I see families sit and, they, and their kids come down, they grab these prayer cards and they pick them up and they don't even know what is on those cards. There's prayer cards that's, that are like serious stuff, serious brokenness, but they go back and they're praying. Don't tell me God's not listening to those prayers. I want you to pray with me at this moment and I'd like to ask just for you to bow your heads for just a few moments as we pray. Father, I, I pray that, God, you would, would forgive us, God. For the moments that we haven't believed in prayer. God, we repent for the times we haven't believed that you are big enough. Father, I pray today, may we call on your name. I pray that you would awaken, God, this desire in all of us, God, to, to know that there is power in our prayer and that, God, we will pray for people. We thank you for this, God. We believe these next two weeks are gonna be some of the most powerful prayers going up to you, God, that we have ever seen. We thank you for this. And everyone said, amen.